The ACLU is suing the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the DEA to get documents that will explain the U.S. government's use of facial recognition technology. We were surprised to learn that nearly half of American adults are in facial recognition databases. What is law enforcement doing with your mug? The FBI and the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, ICE, can actually access and scan your driver's license picture and get other information about you using technology that's the stuff of Hollywood. The ACLU initiated that lawsuit because the government denied its request for information about how it's using this technology right now and how it plans to use it in the future. That technology is increasingly used by law enforcement even as serious questions remain. They say that's a major problem. In addition to privacy concerns, critics point out facial recognition technology is both unregulated and can be inaccurate. Because we already know that the U.S. government is using this tech on its citizens. Right now, Amazon can scan your face without your consent and sell it to the government all without our knowledge, correct? Yes. And the ACLU thinks people deserve to know how their government is surveilling them. Both the conservatives and liberals alike have real questions about when they are being monitored, why they are being monitored, who is monitoring them, and what happens to this information after it is collected. I'm Ariel Dimros, and today on Reset, I'm going to take a look at what we do know about how law enforcement and the government broadly uses facial recognition, and exactly what's at stake given what we don't know. Russell Brandom, you are the policy editor at The Verge, and you've done a lot of writing on facial recognition technology. Yes. At its most basic, Yeah. what is facial recognition technology? So the most basic kind of building block of facial recognition is is what they call a one-to-one match. That's one face and one other face, and you're sort of seeing if they're the same face, right? So this is, imagine kind of the passport check where you go up, you have the your photo on the passport and the guy looks at your face and he says, okay, you're, you're the same person. You are the person that your passport says you are. So it's telling the difference between faces for like photos that are broadly the same. The output that we see is like yes or no, but in fact, it's kind of giving you a confidence interval and kind of a percentage of like, I'm 93% sure. The ACLU lawsuit suggests that there might actually be a lot that we don't know about how facial recognition technology is used in the U.S., So what do we know for sure about how it's used today? There are two main things. One is there's a kind of soft facial recognition that's used in a lot of online uh, photo storage things where just like this photo has Russell in it. Basically, any auto-tagging system is powered by facial recognition. Adobe Lightroom does it. Google Photos does that. Yeah. I am new to the iPhone, but I am assuming that iPhone Photos also does that. And, and, And the reason that they're able to do that is that they have this database of our pictures and then our faces, and so they kind of have something to compare against, which is really the the limiting factor on who can do it. So then the other group that has pictures of all of our faces is the government. So for a long time, uh, they were very interested in people who had more than one driver's license in different names, usually because it was social security fraud. So it sort of started with DMVs would run facial recognition on all the photos in their system to just see if any of them were the same person. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, they they caught a lot of people this way. 
And now, more recently, on international flights, they've started doing it uh, instead of fingerprints, basically because it's a simpler match. If you're taking an international flight, you already have either a passport or a visa. So that is the main other place it's happening. So in airports? Airports, yeah. Who are the companies manufacturing this technology in the U.S.? There are two sort of categories. One is essentially government contractors. And I would include sort of people who sell equipment to the police. But there are a lot of companies that only sell to law enforcement. There are a lot of kind of subcontractors who just do the algorithms. NEC is a big one, Morpho. They're not like companies that you would have heard of because basically they sell to the federal government. The other category, and this is where things get interesting, is the big tech companies who are selling server time. So, and this is Microsoft does it, Amazon does it, Google doesn't do it yet. And increasingly, because they're so competitive to get those contracts, they want to have the feature that the other guy doesn't have. So if you have all of your photos on a Microsoft server or on Amazon server, it's very easy sort of using these native systems that they've set up to run facial recognition on the photos you've uploaded pretty much without having to set it. It's just a part of how those server systems deal with photos. So what you're saying is that big tech companies like Amazon and Microsoft have been selling facial recognition tech to various companies for business purposes. But from my own reading on this, Amazon is also selling directly to law enforcement agencies. And so in that case, law enforcement is basically saying, we need a place to put all of these pictures, whether they're DMV pictures or passport pictures or what have you. And then cloud computing companies like Amazon say, well, you know what? If you want to get more bang for your buck, we also have this facial recognition technology so we can just do everything all at once, all together. Is that it? Yeah. And and also maybe let's just as a pilot, we'll do it for free because we want to show that it works so well. How much do we know about how often the U.S. government uses facial recognition? Um, So it's tricky. There are various police departments that have facial recognition capabilities. It's being used very aggressively in Detroit. It changes a lot department to department. I think there is not a really easy playbook for how they use it. There's sort of a a question of whether it was going to be used in police body cameras. The other thing is, you know, people get mugshots. You arrested this person. Are you going to run that mugshot against the DMV database, against some FBI database of people that you're looking for? That is a thing that we have found is happening in specific departments. I think that is less of a civil liberties concern than, you know, here is this camera. On a street corner somewhere. On a street corner in the bus station or whatever. We're looking for this specific guy who maybe we arrested three years ago. So we have his mugshot. Tell us if he walks by. That's something that we're seeing happen in Detroit and a couple other cities. And it is something that sort of civil liberties folks are are very concerned about. Right. There's especially a concern over uh, city governments putting these types of cameras 
in public housing. Yeah. Which is a real issue, right? Because then you're also targeting a vulnerable population specifically and in some ways implying that they need to be policed more than your average citizen. Yeah. I mean, I do think the comparisons to stop and frisk, which in, you know, for those who don't know, in New York was a very controversial program uh, that was essentially kind of systematically targeting communities of color with these really pushing the bounds of reasonable suspicion. They were just kind of stopping anyone on the street corner, right? So then if it's in public housing, you have this excuse to stop people, maybe because you've set the boundary very low, the error threshold very low, and you say, oh, well, the computer told me to stop you. So now we're talking. And pretty soon it becomes an excuse to just constantly be stopping people. And when you say the threshold, maybe maybe you said the threshold at 80 percent. Yeah. Right. Which 80 percent might seem high on a test score, but it's actually really low when you're saying 80 percent match with a person's face. Right. Chances are, if you're a human being and you think somebody is an 80 percent match, you're seriously doubting whether that is the person that you think that they are. Yeah. One of the things people worry about is just the law not catching up with the way these technologies work. So there aren't any rules sort of on a city by city level about where that confidence threshold needs to be set. There are kind of guidelines from the companies that make them. But ideally, if you're concerned about reasonable suspicion, if you're concerned about this being used to implement a kind of stop and frisk type program, you would want to be really specific about where that threshold needs to be set. And they're just we just haven't gotten deep enough to legislate around it. So there's no rule on a federal level or on city levels that says, hey, if you're using this technology, it has to be set at a 97 percent threshold, for instance. You could set yeah. it at 75 if you wanted to or, or 60, like yeah. whatever. There's no there's no sort of rule about how accurate it needs to be. So if you wanted to use this to just kind of a, as a reasonable suspicion machine where it's creating all these flags and then you follow up on the ones that you want to follow up on, that is... It's an excuse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just kind of, you know, if you talk to a city council member about like a confidence threshold, they have no idea what you're talking about. It, it really is just the technology has gotten out ahead of the oversight. So this is another case of sort of technology first, rules second. Yeah, yeah. That happens a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I can imagine. Russell Brandom is the policy editor at The Verge. Russell, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. What Russell explained pretty much covers what we know about the U.S. government's use of facial recognition technology. But the ACLU lawsuit is happening for a reason. So we're going to get into it after the break. If you live in the U.S., it's likely that your face is in some database that's being used by law enforcement in the United States. And you might not have consented to that. So if that's the case, where are the big court battles over this? Well, I think the interesting thing is we haven't seen face recognition come up too much in the court system yet. And I think that's because it's still a somewhat novel technology in the United States. That's Jennifer Lynch. 
She's the surveillance litigation director at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a nonprofit that focuses on civil liberties in the digital world. She says most of the stuff happening around facial recognition tech in the U.S. right now has to do with people trying to pass laws to stop it from taking root in their communities. So we have talked to Congress. I myself have testified in Congress twice on face recognition. We've talked to Congress about different kinds of bills that could be put forward to protect Americans from face recognition. We've been involved at the state and local level to pass laws that would ban face recognition or put a moratorium on on the use of face recognition for a few years. Because of this work, Jennifer knows a lot about the secrecy surrounding law enforcement's use of facial recognition tech in the U.S. We also filed a couple lawsuits in the past against the FBI to learn more about how the FBI was using face recognition. Those were Freedom of Information Act lawsuits, which are similar to what the ACLU has filed just recently. And what we learned at the time was that the FBI had been um, doing these sort of backroom deals with the states to get access to their mugshot databases and build up the FBI's own face recognition database. And all of that was without explaining what they were doing to the American public. And that's really where we're seeing the fight in the United States at this point. A few years back, we got access to a PowerPoint presentation that the FBI gave. And in that PowerPoint presentation, they talked about sometime in the future wanting to be able to track people as they move from event to event. But we don't know anything more about how far along they are in developing that kind of technology. So I think the ACLU's lawsuit will get at information like that. Where is the FBI now or the Department of Justice or the DEA um, on implementing that kind of technology? The other interesting thing about the ACLU's lawsuit is that they aren't limiting their request to face recognition. They are also interested in other forms of remote biometric identification technologies. So, for example, gate recognition allows you to identify somebody based on how they walk. And um, if you were to combine gate recognition with face recognition, you could identify somebody who's coming towards you and you can identify them as they're walking away. Um, We are starting to see these kinds of technologies used in concert with one another in China. um, And China's selling their technology to other parts of the world like Ecuador. I, you know, if I'm a law abiding citizen, right, I don't really break the law. Why? Why should I be? at all curious about how the U.S. government is using this technology, right? It won't affect me. I'm not doing anything wrong. Well, I I don't know that we can say that what the federal government is doing with face recognition is not going to affect us, even if we are law-abiding citizens. Right now, the FBI has access to DMV photos in something like 20 to 30 states. I would argue that most of the people in those DMV uh, files have not done anything wrong, and yet they are being subjected to criminal searches without their knowledge, without their consent. And that could identify them as criminals or as suspects in in a crime because face recognition technology is not 100% accurate. So somebody could be identified for a crime they didn't commit. But, you know, I hear this argument all the time that I have nothing to hide. And so why should I care what the government is doing? I think there are a couple other responses to that. 
First, we need to all stand up for people who are constantly surveilled by law enforcement. I think we all know that communities face different kinds of surveillance, depending on the color of people's skin, depending on how people pray. And we all need to stand up for people like that, because people who are in those communities They haven't done anything wrong either, but they are being subjected to excessive surveillance. I think the other argument I hear that uh, somebody has nothing to hide, we all have something to hide. That's the reason that we don't let the government have cameras in our house. We need to have the ability to uh, have privacy in our lives, to develop our thoughts and our beliefs. And it's fundamental to living in a democratic society. We can't really form our ideas about the government. We, We can't think about how we feel in a society if the government is constantly watching us. One thing that uh, really struck me in what you just said was that you referred to the use of facial recognition technology as a form of search, law enforcement searching you, your body, yourself. I honestly don't think that I've that I personally have ever really thought about it in that specific way. Right. That this is a search. Is that truly how we should think about this? I think it is depending on how it's being used. So, for example, if law enforcement is trying to identify somebody from a photograph where they don't know that person's identity, who that person is, and they believe that that person has been involved in some sort of criminal activity, then they are going to search a database to identify who that person is. And that is definitely a search. What exactly is the FBI's reasoning for not sharing information about how it uses facial recognition technology in the U.S.? We haven't seen that yet. So as part of this lawsuit, the FBI will have to file what's called an answer. And they will do that 60 days after the ACLU has filed their complaint. And in that answer, the FBI might explain why they haven't responded. But really what we'll probably see over the next year or so is that the ACLU and the FBI will talk more about how the FBI is going to produce records in response to the ACLU's lawsuit. So we've also heard that this technology isn't the most accurate. What happens when law enforcement uses it to implicate someone of a crime that they're not actually guilty of? How should we think about that? Well, so in the United States, we have a rule that people are innocent until proven guilty. And if you are identified through a technology, that means that the state has decided that you are a suspect for a crime and it shifts the burden onto the person who is under suspicion to prove that they aren't that person who committed the crime. And that's very different from how our criminal justice system is set up. The government should have to prove your guilt, not the other way around. So it kind of sounds like if this is how things go down, this technology has the power to undermine the fundamental tenets of our justice system. I think it does have the power to undermine the fundamental tenets of our justice system, especially if there are no rules and especially if we don't even know that it's happening. You're in the business of asking what if questions when it comes to technology, right? What are some of the most pressing what ifs when it comes to facial recognition in your mind? Well, I think the biggest what if question is what if we 
add face recognition to all of the surveillance cameras that already exist in the United States or all of the cameras that already exist in the UK? Uh, how does that fundamentally change the democratic society that we live in when it becomes possible for the government not just to identify us as we're walking about our daily lives, but also to track everywhere that we have been in the past and to identify where we're going in the future. That means that it's no longer possible to be anonymous in society. And we have a right to be anonymous. We ha It's fundamental to human dignity to be able to have a level of privacy, even when we're walking around in public. So I think my, that's my biggest what if question. And how are we going to deal with that as a society when we know that that's coming? Can we place brakes on face recognition right now? So what the ACLU is doing by asking these questions of the FBI, by trying to get more information on how the U.S. government as a whole is using this technology, is that one way to prevent that future? Yeah, I, I think the more the public knows about how the government is planning to use face recognition technology and other biometric technologies, the better informed the public can be and the better able the public can be to make decisions about how the government should be allowed to use this kind of technology. Because, you know, at the end of the day, the people are in control. The government doesn't have a right to make decisions about us without our input. But it's hard to have input when you don't know exactly what the government is planning to do. So that's what the ACLU's lawsuit is trying to get at, to give us the information we need to make decisions and shape how our government should be. So what you're saying is knowledge is power. I'd say knowledge is power. That's it for today's episode of Reset. I'm Arielle Dumras. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. And you can reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to Reset on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcasts, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. We'll be back on Sunday with an episode about wildfire detection technology. Later, nerds. <laughs>